Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. How do we walk with God through the land of the lost? The Land of the Lost was a live-action Saturday morning kids program back in the 1970s when I was growing up. And it started every week with a fun little banjo theme song that told the basic problem of of the TV show. A dad, his teenage son, and his younger daughter were on a rafting trip one day when they fell through a portal into a strange land. Now, in that strange land, there were three moons, there were dinosaurs, there were monkey people, there were lizard people, and there were lots of portals to other places. And it was a constant struggle for this family because they were constantly running away from dinosaurs and bad lizard people, and they were constantly being helped by the good lizard people and the good monkey people. But everyone, go with me, it was a kid show, right? Everyone in this land, though, was from somewhere else and wanting to get home. It was the land of the lost. And that's a great image when you think about it, about where we live, because in some ways we live in the land of the lost. We're walking through it. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you are a citizen of his kingdom, of God's kingdom, of the kingdom of God, which means that your values, your beliefs, your ways of behaving come from the kingdom of God, and you are walking through life with God toward eternal life in the eternal kingdom of God. But at the same time, we're living in the middle of the kingdoms of this world. And when citizens of the kingdom of God live in the middle of the kingdoms of this world, it can be a bit disorienting. It can be a bit disappointing at times because the, king, the citizens of the kingdoms of this world have different beliefs and different behaviors. And citizens of the kingdoms of this world frequently do things that are not just different, but they are wrong and even dangerous. And citizens of the kingdoms of this world are not making their way toward God and toward eternity in the eternal kingdom of God. They're instead walking away from God and away from eternity in God's eternal kingdom. And so the citizens of the kingdoms of this world are lost. And this is their land, the the land of the lost. So we are walking around in the middle of the land of the lost. And so the question is, how do we walk with God through the land of the lost? Abraham shows us how to walk with God through the land of the lost. Because Abraham himself walked with God through the land of the lost. After Abraham came to the land of Canaan, four kings back in the place he came from united together. They they were kings from the places that Abraham had been from. There was a king of Shinar, which would be ultimately the Babylonian homeland, a king of Elasser, the ultimate home of the Hurrians or the Mitanni kingdoms. And 
the king of what was called then Goyim, which would become the center of the Hittite empire in the future. And one king that brought them together, the king of Elam, Ketelaomer, who was king of an area to the east of the Sumerian heartland at that time in the highlands of what today would be southwestern Iran. The kings of the east, these four kings of the east, invaded the land of Canaan. Ketelaomer came to the throne, and he must have been an extraordinary force and leader because when he came to the throne in Elam, places all around the ancient world, around the Fertile Crescent, began paying tribute taxes to Ketelaomer, including lands on the eastern side of the Jordan River and cities on the southern plain south of the Dead Sea. They paid tribute taxes to Ketelaomer for 12 years, but then they banded together and decided to stop paying those tribute taxes. So Ketelaomer called on his vassals in these other lands, and these four kings decided to go to war, and they invaded. They went right down the Transjordanian highlands from north to south, ultimately making their way all the way to the southern tip, and then they made their way back north toward the city-states on the fertile plain on the southern edge of the Dead Sea. The five kings of the cities in that fertile plain came together. They united. They thought they were going to be safe because it was very difficult to reach that fertile plain, and it was extremely hot there. They thought they were safe from invaders. But at the same time, the land was extremely fertile compared to other places, and so those five cities were very wealthy. And in addition to being very wealthy, those cities were very wicked. In fact, two of the five cities were the cities we've heard of in biblical history, Sodom and Gomorrah, known for their wickedness and for their fate. Those five cities, their kings, banded together, and they raised an army and prepared for battle. And when they went out to face the forces of Ketelaomer and the four kings of the east, the battle was decisive, and it was consequential. The armies of the five cities were defeated quickly. People began fleeing. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. And when the armies fled the field of battle, they left their cities unprotected. And so the forces of the four kings of the east invaded the cities. They plundered the cities, taking everything of value that they could carry. And they took prisoners, captives, to take back as slaves and as tribute to their gods. And among the people they took was Abraham's nephew, Lot. And along with Lot, they took his entire household and all of his possessions. And in Genesis chapter 14, verses 13 through 16, which we've already read, I'd like to read for you again, Abraham receives word that Lot has been taken, and Abraham makes a decision about what he's going to do. Picking up with verse 13, we read, Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and Honor. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them 
and pursued them to Haba, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. So Abram heard about what happened. Word came to Abraham because people escaped the battle and one person who escaped came to Hebron. Uh, It would be called Hebron in the future. It was the place where Abraham was camping. Abraham was there with his household near a grove of oak trees that were identified as belonging to one Mamre the Amorite. He and Mamre had become friends. And when word came to Abraham that Lot had been captured along with his household and all the citizens of those five cities, Abraham made a decision. He decided to go to war. And he raised up the fighting men in his own household, 318 trained fighting men. And he called on his new ally, Mamre, and his two brothers. And they answered the call and raised their own armies. And together, they set off in pursuit of the five kings of the east. They traveled over 100 miles before they came close to them. And Abraham was very wise. He split up his forces and planned to attack by night, by surprise, and he did. He surprised those four kings of the east, and his army overwhelmed them, and they began chasing them, and they chased them until they were sure that the kings of the east were going back home and would never return. And then Abraham, his allies and their armies, brought Lot, his household, the citizens of the five cities, and all of their possessions back to the land of Canaan. And as we look at what Abraham did, we begin to learn important things about what it looks like to walk with God through the land of the lost. And the first thing that we learn is to make friends in the land of the lost. Make friends in the land of the lost. You see, Abraham was an outsider in the land of Canaan. Abraham didn't come from Canaan originally. Abraham was, grew up and, and made his fortune in areas outside of Canaan, and God called him to live in Canaan. But he came from another land, and he had a different language. He had different customs. And when he came to the land of Canaan, he declared his loyalty to the Lord, something no one else in that land really did. And so the people of Canaan were different from him. Mamre was different from him. In fact, Genesis chapter 14, verse 13, calls Abraham, Abram the Hebrew, which means he's not a Canaanite. He is different. He lives in the land of Canaan, but he will never be a Canaanite. So if you have ever felt like an outsider living in the land of the lost, please understand that Abraham gets what you're going through. But in the land of the lost, Abraham decided to make friends. When he moved to what would come to be called Hebron, he became friends with Mamre. Mamre was an Amorite. He was from the land of Canaan. Abraham and Mamre came from two different cultures, likely spoke two different languages, and served two different gods. Abraham could have easily viewed Mamre as an enemy, but Abraham recognized that being a foreigner living in a strange land, he needed friends, and he made friends with Mamre and his brothers, and that friendship made all the difference 
when the four kings of the east invaded. Abraham understood something intuitively that we have been told explicitly by the Bible, and that is that we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of King Jesus and of his kingdom. To be an ambassador means that you represent. You represent King Jesus and you represent the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that we are Jesus's ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. It's fundamental to our identity. It's just who we are. Now, as ambassadors, it is our job to represent the king, the kingdom, and the king's values and the kingdom's beliefs and ways of behaving in the kingdoms of this world. And that leads to an unescapable conclusion, and that is that we must make friends here in the land of the lost. Because, you see, it would be easy to come into the land of the lost and to look at the people around us as not only different but wrong and as enemies. And in looking at them as enemies, seek to undermine the people around us and the kingdoms of this world. But we are the foreigners living in the land of the lost. And as foreigners, as Abraham learned... It's sometimes a really good thing to make friends when you live in a foreign land. Plus, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, our desire is to advocate for the values and the beliefs and the ways of the kingdom of God to the citizens of the kingdoms of this world. We want people living in the land of the lost to become citizens of the kingdom of God. We want them to become found, so we don't want to treat them as enemies. We want to treat them as friends. However, we can never forget or walk away from the beliefs, the values, and the behaviors of the kingdom of God in our search for making friends in the land of the lost. Which leads us to a second thing that Abraham knew and understood and advocates for for us, and that is stand up for what's right in the land of the lost. Stand up for what's right in the land of the lost because Abraham stood up for what was right in the land of the lost. When word came to him in Hebron that his nephew Lot and the citizens of the five cities had been taken captive and plundered by the four kings of the east, Abraham had a decision to make. What would he do? It would have been much easier and much more convenient and much safer for Abraham to do nothing. He didn't have to do anything, but instead, Abraham decided to take action. When Abraham took action, he did not simply ride out to save and protect his nephew, nor did he simply ride out to save and protect his nephew's wealth and household. Abraham rode out with his full army and with his allies and their army on behalf of all of the captive people from the five cities of the plains south of the Dead Sea. And when he rescued them, he brought them back to the land of Canaan, and he took no payment for his services. He didn't take plunder from them. He didn't keep goods. He didn't keep people. He gave everything back. And every step along the way, 
Abraham did what was right and stood up for what was right. Now, standing up for what's right in the land of the lost can take many forms. You see, we as citizens of the kingdom of God have beliefs and values and behaviors that come from the kingdom of God, which means they are given to us by God, which means not simply that they are different, but that they are right. Now, the citizens of the kingdoms of this world get values and beliefs and behaviors from the world, which means that their values, beliefs, and behaviors frequently are not just different, they are wrong. And that means that sometimes as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have to stand up for what is right. And to stand up for what is right sometimes means that we stand up against what is wrong, what is unjust, what is unrighteous. But in addition to standing up against what's wrong, what's unjust, and what's unrighteous, sometimes we have to stand up for, for what is right, what is just, for the hurting, for the vulnerable, for the dispossessed, for the lost. We stand up against what is wrong, what is unjust, what is unrighteous, and we stand up for what is just, what is righteous, what is holy. We stand up for those who need someone to stand up for them, and we stand up for the lost. Standing up for what's right takes many forms. Standing up for what's right is one of the fundamental ways that we impact the world for Christ. You see here, what we are trying to do is we are seeking at Valley to cultivate disciples who impact the world for Christ. That means what our job is as a church is to make and multiply disciples. We make new disciples and multiply new disciples. And in addition to making and multiplying new disciples, we equip existing disciples with all the tools, the knowledge, the training, and the wisdom that they need. And we make and multiply and equip disciples. And then you have the opportunity to go out and to impact the world for Christ. You have the opportunity to go out and raise families to know, love, and serve God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have the opportunity to go out and make friends for the kingdom of God in the places where you live and work and play. You have the opportunity to go out and do business in ways that are good and ethical and just and right you have the opportunity to go out and impact the world by becoming involved in the political process so that you can shape and form our laws, our politics, and our ways of doing business together. You have the opportunity to go out and share the good news about Jesus Christ around the world where there are groups of lost people. You have the opportunity then to impact the world for Christ. What does it look like to stand up for and against all of the things we should stand up for and against? Fred O'Brien and the staff at, at Kids Alive in the Dominican Republic show us a lot of what it looks like. Fred and his wife, Cassandra, are in the Dominican Republic with Kids Alive. And, and in the city where they live, they have a school 
They have a home for kids who don't have a home. And Fred has a ministry where he teaches the boys of that town how to play baseball. The, the boys of that town, we actually have sent two mission teams to the Dominican Republic just this past summer to work with Fred and Kids Alive. And, and Fred is able to use baseball because the, the boys and the young men of, of that town, well, first of all, they love baseball, right? They, they love to play baseball, but they also know that it could be a pathway to a better life for them. And so Fred teaches them how to play baseball. And he does so because it also gives him opportunities to teach them leadership skills and life skills. But most importantly, it gives Fred an opportunity to tell those boys and those young men the good news about Jesus and to invite them to get found by God. And so Fred is teaching them baseball because he's standing up for these boys and these young men who need someone to stand up for them. But in the process, Fred is also standing up against some bad things. In teaching them how to play baseball, he opens up the possibility that they will get college educations and professional careers out of it. He's standing up against poverty. But the field where they practice is in the worst part of town, and so in the process of teaching them how to play baseball, he's standing up against some of the injustices in his town. He's standing up against substance abuse and against prostitution. And so in just teaching these boys how to play baseball, he is standing up against what is wrong, what is unjust and unrighteous, and he is standing up for those boys for the lost, for the vulnerable. He's standing up for Jesus Christ and for what is right and just. And that's what we do in the land of the lost. We stand up for what's right in the land of the lost. But here in the land of the lost, we also go after the lost in the land. We go after the lost in the land. On at least one more occasion, Abraham went after the lost in his land. Because on another occasion, as he was sitting by the oaks of Mamre, one day the Lord came to Abraham. He appeared to Abraham and spoke to Abraham. And among the things that God told him when he appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre was that God had taken notice of the wickedness of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, where his nephew Lot was still living at the time. And Abraham understood what God meant, that the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah had reached God's attention, meant that if God's investigation confirmed what he already knew, that Sodom and Gomorrah would face judgment. And so Abraham prayed, Abraham prayed to God and asked God to save the lost in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because Abraham understood that the lost are on the heart of God. Jesus confirmed that in the New Testament. Jesus told us that God's heart is for the lost. In a series of parables in Luke chapter 15, Jesus explained what that meant. He told a story, first of all, about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep, 
And 99 of them stayed safe, but one of them wandered away. And Jesus said, of course, the shepherd would leave the 99 safe sheep and go after the one lost sheep. Then he told a parable about a woman who had 10 coins, and and one of the coins became misplaced. And he said, of course, that woman is going to light a lamp and sweep and clean and search that house until she finds that missing coin. And then he told a story about a father who had two sons, and one of the sons left the family and took his inheritance and squandered it on profligate living, and then came to his senses in a foreign land and wanted to come home to his father and to his household. And in that third parable, Jesus said, as the son came up, he found the father standing on the edge of the property, scanning the horizon, waiting for the son, looking for the son. And Jesus said, that's showing you the heart of God. In each case, Jesus said, when the person who had lost something found it, they threw a party and celebrated with everyone they could. And Jesus said, in the same way, there is a celebration in heaven. Every time a lost person comes back to God. And he said, that's the heartbeat of God. That's who God is. He has a heart for the lost. And there's an implication of that for you today. Because if that's the heart of God, then if you are still lost at this point in your life, understand that that is God's heart for you. If you have not yet become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, if you've not yet committed your life to Jesus, then you are still lost. You are a citizen of the kingdom of this world, and you are walking around in the land of the lost as a lost person yourself. But please understand that God is walking in this land of the lost right with you, looking for you, searching for you. God is like that father standing at the edge of the property, scanning the horizon, looking for you, and eager for the day when you will come home. That's God's heart for you if you are still lost. For the rest of us, as we walk with God through the land of the lost, that means that we are to be on mission. God is on mission. God is walking through the land of the lost, looking for the lost to bring the lost home. And God intends for us, as we walk with him through the land of the lost, to be on mission with him as well, seeking out and bringing home the lost. Walking with God through the land of the lost means being on mission with him to reach the lost. And walking with God through the land of the lost requires a whole new level of generosity from us. Abraham is the model here. When Abraham heard that his nephew Lot was lost and that the citizens of the five cities were lost, He put everything on the line. He called his fighting men together. He summoned his allies. He drew up all the strength that he had, and he went in hot pursuit of those forces over a 100 miles. The outcome of the battle was not given. Abraham risked everything, including his life, to go after the lost in his day. 
And in a similar fashion as we think about our own generosity here in the land of the lost, the question that we frequently ask ourselves is, how much is enough? We find that to be on mission with God requires a whole new level of generosity from us. To be on mission with God in the land of the lost will require sacrifices of our treasures. And at the same time, to be on mission with God in the land of the lost will require sacrifices of our time and of our talents as well. And to be truly on mission with God in the land of the lost, following the example of Abraham and the example of Jesus himself, may require of us everything we have and everything we are. Walking with God in the land of the lost requires a whole new level of generosity from us. So go after the lost in the land. Make friends in the land of the lost. Stand up against what is wrong, what is unjust, what is unrighteous, and for what is right, for what is just, for what is righteous, for the hurting, the vulnerable, the broken, the lost. Stand up for what's right. And let's give everything, everything we have and everything we are as we are on mission together to reach the lost. That's how we walk with God through the land of the lost. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.